Hello, all of you, and welcome to Grace Baptist Cartersville podcast. Before I turn it over to Pastor Kyle, Good morning. Welcome back to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. I guess you really could be listening to this at lunch. You could be listening to this close to the dinner time. Well, whenever it is, I hope that you're having a good day. How's your week been up to this point? Have things been going okay? Has it been a rough week for you? Listen, regardless of what you've got going on, I hope that for the next 25 to 30 minutes, you can put those things aside and we can worship together through the reading of God's Word. Now, want to remind you, if you'd like more information on Grace Baptist Church, you can find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. You can even find some of our old services on YouTube as well. We have those posted there. If you've got questions, and I mean this, feel free to email me. I'm Kyle Clayton. I'm the head pastor at Grace Baptist, and I would love to hear from you, to get some feedback from you, to answer your questions. You can email me anytime at Kyle, K-Y-L-E, at gracecartersville.com. All right, now, all that aside, why don't we jump on in? Thank you for being here. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, we started a new series on the book of James, one of my most favorite books of the Bible. Now, we were transitioning from prayer and acquiring the knowledge of how God laid out a template for us to pray. The purpose of that template is to align our will so that it better matches up with the will of God. But we can't stop there. Faith is not stopping at knowledge. Faith is not expecting God to move just where we sit. We've got to find God. Faith is not waiting on God to make our lives a pie-in-the-sky paradise. Because as we learned last week, and James hits the ground running in this fashion, that the Christian life will be trials. Trials one right after the other. Trials that teach, they help us to grow, they give wisdom, they build endurance. But trials are to also point us to the gospel. No matter what we experience, we must understand that the grace of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross is sufficient to get us through whatever might be thrown our way. And that's about where we stopped last week, ending at chapter 1, verse 18. Now, I want to be clear. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. And while you do, I want to let you know that this sermon comes with a little bit of a disclaimer before we go any further. I told you last week that James is blunt. He's not frivolous. He doesn't just speak pretty. His writing is the meat and potatoes. It's straight up. He might even tend at some point to hurt a few feelings. That's just a warning. Don't blame the messenger. All that I'm trying to do is read what James wrote and then exegete it, explain it in a way that we can all understand it and apply it. So here we go. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone 
is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word that pierces our hearts, but it gives life. God, help us to better understand what it means to apply the word, to be doers of the word. Let us be obedient in what you ask of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. James is coming out swinging again. He starts off, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, that's the same way. We're here in Georgia, so we're down here in the South. But this is the same way down in the South that we would throw out a bless your heart before dropping some heavy wisdom on someone that they may not be quite ready for. So here it comes. This is what he says. Quick to listen. Well, I mentioned that James very much is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. So let's look at some Proverbs and see if we can align this with something else. Well, guess what? We sure can. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is prudent. Proverbs 10, 19. All right. James then, by adding emphasis, gives the opposite statement by saying, be slow to speak. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. That's Proverbs 17, 28. Then how about slow to anger? The one who has knowledge restrains his words, and one who keeps a cool head is a person of understanding. That's Proverbs 17, 27. This could not be much more crystal clear. But let's make sure that we're on the same page, that there is wisdom in keeping our mouths shut. I've got to be honest with you. I'll be transparent. I wear a size 13 shoe, and it's amazing to me how often I can fit that entire size 13 in my mouth. And it's just because I've opened my mouth when I shouldn't have. Don't forget also that typing something out is the same thing as saying it. We do not have to answer every right now event that is happening. We don't have to drum up things from the past and then comment on them later. We don't need to give a social commentary on every single issue. Most of the time, all we add to it is our own foolishness by commenting. And most of the time, we promote anger and promote foolishness in others as well. And we've covered it before. Quit trying to justify your anger. I understand that Jesus flipped over tables, but you know what? None of us in here are Jesus. Jesus also walked on water too, and I don't see any of us trying to do that either. 99 times out of 100, our anger comes from a place of sin. And to be more specific, in Matthew 5, Jesus calls out that anger as something else. He calls it murder. It's hard to argue with any of these facets when all of them are mentioned both in the Old and New Testament. But James provides us with a why statement anyway. 
Why should we be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Verse 20 tells us that human anger doesn't accomplish God's righteousness. Yes, we can call it sin all day long because, well, it is. But instead of looking at it only from a personal selfish aspect, look at what anger does for the advancement of the kingdom of God, the righteousness of God for others to see. It does nothing. It accomplishes nothing. It'd be very easy for us then to slide right past verse 21 if we didn't notice, though, that the vivid and expressive words that James is using here. Now, I typically read from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, and here is a place where I wish that the language was a little bit stronger compared to other versions. But essentially what James is saying here is, just as you would completely shed yourself of soiled clothing covered in filth, so also are you to rid yourself of any moral filth and evil. Now, this is the third week in a row that we have seen evil brought up. Not mentioning the evil of the devil from the outside for the third time. This is referencing the evil from within. The evil that you and I were born with. We can't even help it. Well, Kyle, what can we do then if we are inherently evil? And this is where some of us stop in our faith. Here's what I mean. We understand the get rid of moral filth part. So lots of times we try to explain our faith in that way. We understand get rid of our filth as I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't watch or listen to anything that is filthy. But I bet some of you still watch the news, but that's for a different sermon. And listen, That is great, and I'm so glad that you have that sense of morality about you, but I know plenty of lost people that do not condone or do not act in any of those behaviors either. They'll still receive the eternal judgment in hell because there is no relationship. So we've got to keep reading. We've got to keep building up. Here we go. With humility then, and some translations say meekness, and listen, don't ever confuse meekness with weakness just because they rhyme. In all meekness, in all humility, in all surrender, we must receive the implanted word which is able to save. Well, that sounds good, but what in the world does that mean? Okay, we're going to go old school just for a little bit. This comes from Jeremiah 31, and he mentioned some of the same things. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master. You see the shade that God just shed on Judah there? Okay, anyways, this is the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's declaration, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Yeah, that sounds like James, but maybe you're still a little bit more confused than you were before, especially with this new covenant talk. How is it that God will implant his word in us? This comes from Ephesians 1. In him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise 
of his glory. It's God, by his grace, for his glory, that implants his word within us by implanting his Holy Spirit within us. Our flesh is evil. Our flesh will will fail. But now there is surrender to the Lord. We receive this Holy Spirit that develops a new desire for God's word within us, and we can be called saved. Amen. Doesn't that sound good? But Here's the problem. Too often we stop at verse 21 and we say that we have that knowledge that we have this faith, but we must go a step further. Verse 22, James has said all of this to make sure that we understand we must be doers of the word. Doers of the word and not hearers only. Here's why. By doing that, You merely deceive yourself. You merely lie to yourself. Now, maybe that phrasing can also lead to some confusion. So James then gives an illustration that's a little bit more relevant to us today than you might think. He says it's like looking at a mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you saw. Now, I've never really had that problem. However, I bet some of you have the same problem that I have. How often over the course of a day do you get out your cell phone with the intent of looking to see what time it is, and then you get caught up in a text message thread, or you get caught up in the latest sports news that's just hit as a pop-up, and then you put your phone back in your back pocket, and you still don't know what time it is. Maybe that's just me, and I do that a whole lot over the course of the day. But what did I accomplish by pulling my phone out of my pocket? Absolutely nothing. And here's the problem. We can go through the motions of Christianity our entire lives. We can come to church, and we can sing, and we can listen, and we can discuss, and we can talk about all the knowledge that we have, and what a great Sunday it is. And if we never live it out, then we are not doing the word. We are not acting out the word of God in our lives. I mentioned to you last week that faith is a two-engine machine. Here it is in scripture. You can have the knowledge. You can have the spiritual understanding. And if you do not act out and apply it, then we are dead in our sin and our faith is dead. So here's what I asked the church to do when we met together. I gave them a set of four questions that over the course of 90 seconds, I wanted them to act out in person. I stopped the church service and I said, okay, for the next 90 seconds, I want you to have a conversation with someone that isn't your spouse. So we stopped church and I asked them to do this, to ask another person, how's your week been? to listen to the response, then engage with the response, showing that they had listened, and then to repeat the process all over again. And you know what? It was pretty neat. Here was the purpose, though, of me doing this. The purpose. I had mentioned that in our school system and in our uh, work community that we're trying to put together a system of words of the month that the faith community touches on, that the school system touches on, and then our work community touches on. And the word for this month is respect. So by asking the other person, hey, 
How has your week been? We have actually fulfilled Matthew 7, 2, to treat others as they want to be treated. We did that respectfully. Then hopefully we listened to the response. That comes right out of James 1, what we, what we read, to be quick to listen. Then by engaging with the other person, you're sympathizing or empathizing with them. We are rejoicing when they rejoice and then weeping when they wept. It's doing the word, doing the word with the intention of proclaiming Jesus Christ. The more intentionally that we can do that, the more that we show Jesus. It should be easy to complete this task in church, but how intentionally are we in practicing it outside of the church? Does this describe your faith? Is this what others are seeing from you? How many other people are desiring to know Jesus because of your fruit? Letting those questions hang in the air for just a moment. I've only got two major points for this week. Now, there's quite a few sub points to go along with it, but here we go. Starting off with the first one. First point, talk is cheap. We talk about controlling our tongue, and I want to encourage you, if you're a churchgoer, put away your church resume. That's harsh, and I know how it sounds. It even sounds contradictory to what we just read by being doers, but here's what we've got to understand. We've got to know the difference. In this church, or even out in our community, no one wants to know how long we've taught Sunday school. No one wants to know how long we've served as a deacon. No one really wants to know that every time the doors were open, you were there. Nobody cares how much money that you've provided to your church or how much of a rule follower that you've been. None of that is relevant to God or to someone that is outside of the church. Someone outside of the church could not care less how much that you've taught Sunday school because they may not even fully understand what Sunday school is. Someone outside of the church doesn't want to know all the vices and all the things that you don't do because you're a Christian. They don't care how good you are because they're waiting on you to fail. And it's a shame. That sounds bad. But unfortunately, the Christian community has given people outside of the church plenty of reasons to think that we will fail. To reach a generation, we don't talk about how good we are. Generation, generation wants to see it. They want to see authentic faith. If you've got to talk about it and you've got to tell me how much that you've done for the church, then chances are you didn't do it with the right heart to begin with. All right, that's the first point. Here's the second one. And I borrowed most, most of these with a little bit of a twist uh, from an article that I read on crosswalk.com. It's a Christian living website, but these are good. First thing that we've got to do, if we're going to show action, step one was talk is cheap. Step two is lights, camera, action. First part of this, stay in repentance. Jesus said from that time on, or Matthew says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As sin occurs, make it short bouts of sin. Express repentance quickly and often because I promise you we are sinning just that much. Now here in a few minutes, usually what we have at the end of a service is a response time and it's designed for us to respond to the Holy Spirit and how it is convicting you. I even try to give time at the end of this podcast to do the same thing. Here's another point. Love others. 
John 13, 34. How's one way to love others? We must disciple them. I don't mean teaching a class and going through a book. I mean sitting down and asking real questions like, what have you been looking at on your phone this week? How are you intentionally leading your children to Christ? What are you doing to assist the poor and the widows and the orphans of the church? Here's a tough one. As part of that love others, the Bible even says something about loving your enemies. We don't get to pick or choose either or. The whole concept of quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, it applies even to people that may not necessarily think very highly of us, or you may not think so highly of them. We want our enemies or people that aggravate us. We want them to see Jesus. Maybe that means us treating them better than they treat you. Does it guarantee anything? No, absolutely not. But we're not the ones that do the saving and the convicting. We are the ones that maintain obedience. Here's another one for you. Be a friend. You want to act out the word? Be a friend. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Romans 12, 13. Uh, Another church member actually sent me a, a different article And it caught me off guard because I had just read the same one a couple hours earlier, uh, but it pertained to a conversation that he and I had had, and it made so much sense. Here's a strong point for you. Friendliness is killing the church. Friendliness is killing the church. Why? Because we're allowing friendliness to be the excuse that we do not make friends. There's a difference between saying hello to someone, and taking someone out to lunch. There's a difference between superficial chit-chat and getting to know someone and what's really going on with them. Here's why friendliness can be such a problem. It reeks of hypocrisy. We're friendly here at church. We say and do all the right things. But when church is over, I don't really care if you exist or not. That's what it puts off sometimes. If I'm wrong, here's a good chance to email me and tell me otherwise. But I don't know that I am. I see it, unfortunately. And that's not just a Grace Baptist thing. That's a every church problem that we've got to be mindful of. Last but not least, don't lose your zeal, Romans 12, 11. Everything that we do should be done for the Lord, and nothing that we do for the Lord goes unnoticed by Him. So stay the course. Those that continue to do the Word of God, your reward will not be here on earth, but I guarantee you that the reward you receive in heaven, when God says, well done, good and faithful servant, it will all be worth it, and then much more so. To put it another way, keep your focus. Here's a story for you about a wise, much older pastor than me and a couple that comes to him and says, Pastor, we're leaving the church. Pastor doesn't get up and rant and rave, but he just simply asks the question, Why? Can you explain to me how come? The couple says to him, well, let me tell you, we're just sick of the problems here at the church. You see that woman over there? We saw her gossiping. You see that man over there? We saw him this past week being a complete hypocrite. And you know what else? We're also so tired of all the teenagers running around and all they do is look at their cell phones. Oh yeah, not to mention the dirty doors and the glass that's on them. There's smudges all over them. Hey, remember that piece of artwork that we loved? It was in the lobby and you moved it and you didn't tell anyone that you were doing that. And oh, by By the way, the music is too loud. 
Well, the pastor, being much older and much wiser than I am, he sits back for a second. He says, okay, before you go, I want to ask you one favor. I'm going to give you both a glass of water, and I want you to take it around the church three times without spilling a drop. Bring it back to me, and I'll let you go. Of course, they thought it was weird and it was strange, but they knew this pastor, and they knew that there had to be some story to go along with it. So they get their cup of water, and they take it around the first time, don't spill a drop. They take it around the second time of the church, and they still don't spill a drop. Third time around, they have no issue. They take it back to the pastor, and they say, Pastor, we've done it. Now, what in the world did all of that mean? Pastor looks at him and says, While you were focused on the glass... You made sure that you didn't stumble and you didn't spill any water. You didn't notice any of the problems. You didn't notice any of the issues because you were focused on the glass of water. Church family, I pray that when you come to church, your focus isn't on the things that we can't control, but your focus is on Jesus. And if our focus is on Jesus, all of those other issues don't matter as much. We must be doers of the word and not hearers. I want to encourage you. I've given you some tools in your toolbox today of how you can apply the word. Can you intentionally start a conversation with someone? Listen, engage, sympathize, empathize. Maybe you pray for them specifically right there in front of them. How else do you need to respond? Do you need to pick up the phone and call someone and ask for their forgiveness? Do you need to pick up the phone and ask someone or tell someone that you're sorry? All of these are intentionally acting out the word. We must listen to the Holy Spirit. As He convicts us, we must obey and obey according to the word. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Lord, like we prayed beforehand, your word is going to point us in a direction. It's going to give us application points. And here, no more specifically than we must be doers of the word and not hearers. Forgive us, God, where we sit back. Forgive us where we make our own way and we do not listen to the Holy Spirit. We do not listen to the ways that we are to obey. Lord, we love you. Point us to obedience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. Like I mentioned at the beginning, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, email me anytime at kyle, K-Y-L-E, at gracecartersville.com. I hope you have an awesome rest of your week. Until next time, see you.